another day of practice in Mobile in the books, and the greatest quarterback of all time decides to retire. That's the focus of today's TDN Daily. And welcome into the Thursday edition of the TDN Daily Podcast. Chris Schubert back with you here once again. Hope everybody's having a great start to their Thursday. Day three of practice here in Mobile, Alabama for the Senior Bowl right around the corner. After recording this podcast, catching the ride with my good friend Jamie Eisner, who's actually in the room staring at me. I have a live studio audience for this edition of the show. It's very weird. We're heading off to day three of practice here in just a little bit, so that should be a lot of fun. But we got a day two practice recap for you, and yep, the NFL continues to make news here uh, at all of the turns as Tom Brady decides to retire. We're not really going to get into the uh, the big farewell at the time. I think a lot of us did that a year ago, but we will get into what this does to the quarterback market from both the trade perspective and the free agency perspective and how this domino could impact what we see here over the next couple of weeks. But before we jump in to all of that, got to tell you about our friends over at Bet Online, who remain your number one source for all of your sports betting this season, everything from the NFL playoffs to pro and college basketball, UFC, MMA, and more. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. With live betting options, free contests, and live scores for almost any sport or game imaginable, Bet Online is truly the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite leagues and events. Head on over to the website or use your mobile device to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Just make sure to use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B L E A V, to receive your rewards. Bet Online, where the game starts. And through two days of practice, and we kind of touched on this on the Draft Dude show for today as well, but we were de- we were deciding on if there was a big winner through the first two days of practice. And I think there is. I think there is one person in particular who every time you, you get eyes on him, he looks like the player that has gained the most, that has performed the best, that is standing out in a big way. And that would be center from Minnesota, John Michael Schmitz, who has been physical, he has been competitive, I would say every two or three reps, he's throwing an opposing defender to the ground. That's how physical he is. He's extremely attentive in all of these drills. He's engaging with his teammates. He's coaching up his teammates. You can really tell he's taking to the experience, and that's just in the individual stuff. And then when you get to the team stuff, and he's going up against uh, you know, the defensive players, he's creating havoc in the run game. He, he was able to set a block for a huge run for Tajay Spears in the team practice. You know, Every time there was a great pass pro or a great run rep, It was kind of like everybody would look at each other and try to take stock of who the offensive linemen were for that rep. And more often than not, it was John Michael Schmidt. So if there was going to be somebody who I would consider a clear winner at this point and somebody who's really raised their stock, I think it would be him. I think all of the other position groups, I think you've seen guys have flashes. I think you've seen guys have ups and downs, right? We talked a little bit about um, the American practice DBs versus wide receivers and how we we like the DBs, specifically Julius Brents. I thought Darius Rush had two really good days, uh, but we also talked about how good the wide receivers were. They've been going back and forth, and it has been an ongoing battle here for the last two days where sometimes the wide receivers will get the better of the DBs. Sometimes the DBs will get the better of the wide receivers. I think the linebackers have played particularly well. 
over uh, the last two days. Specifically yesterday, got a chance to really uh, take uh, stock to the national linebackers. Got to see Dayon Henley, uh, got to see Ivan Pace Jr. Uh, a couple of those guys in that group really popped. Um, DeMarvin Overshone, uh, who's a little tough without the wristbands on. And I've been saying this to everybody. If he could just throw the wristbands back on, I think he would be even more physically imposing uh, than he is when you do see him in person. But he's physical. He's a thumper. He brings he brings the boom. And so that group's been fun to, to keep an eye on. And I'm, I'm going to steal it because Kyle has given me permission to, to use the, the name because it is what we are referring to him inside here at TDM when we talk about him. Uh, Tyson Bajan Zero. Uh, was out there, and he has been the best quarterback of any of these guys here through the first two days. He has looked extremely good. He had the three best throws of practice yesterday, looked really good in the team portion, uh, in the two-minute offense that they ran there at the end, and he has been uh, really good. And again, we talked about it going in, that this is not the group that we've seen in years past. Um, I think the statistic is like the last seven senior bowls have had a first-round quarterback. It's not the group that we have this year, right? You're looking at more potential day two guys, but more probably the middle rounds, four, five, six guys, developmental guys that you're bringing in. And I think Tyson Bajant really has done what we all thought he could do, stack good days together, and I think you see that command out there. So it's been really fun to see how everything has stacked up uh, through the first two days here in Mobile, and I think John Michael Schmitz has been a big winner. I thought DeWan Jones was a big winner on day one. Jalen Duncan's another one. I'll shout him out again. I think he's had two really good days of practice um, and has looked really good, and again, we talked about how much he needed to have uh, a, a couple good days. Tank Dell's an interesting one, right? He, he comes in here to Mobile at 163 pounds, but Man, can he run? Man, can he can he run routes? He's making DBs, putting them in a blender, making some great catches, and so he's he's gonna have a good week this week. It's just gonna be, you know, what's your what's your taste buds like to take a wide receiver that's 163 pounds and on the shorter side, right? What well, how best can you use that kind of player, and what kind of value proposition do you put on a player of that stature with that body composition? But he certainly looked really good. I think it's easy to say. He's been the best receiver in that group of wide receivers that has uh, Xavier Hutchinson, who's looked good, Rasheed Rice, who's been up and down, but he's looked good in the team portion. Um, uh, Jonathan Mingo's in that group as well. I mean, that, but he has been the best uh, wide receiver of that group. Luke Musgrave continues to stack good days together, and I think everybody can start to understand why there's buzz around Luke Musgrave. I, I think the, the best story that I heard, and I'm going to get a nod from, from Jamie Eisner if this if part of the story is accurate, but uh, I believe that Luke Musgrave, in his media availability uh, yesterday, was talking about how, remember, this kid has not play, only played in two games this year, so missed a ton of time, but he talked about how he felt that he was slow out there on, uh, during during Tuesday's practice. He had the fastest tight end time out of anybody here uh, so far this week. And, oh, by the way, it would have threatened for one of the fastest times of the day yesterday uh, or on Tuesday at practice, and he followed it up with a pretty good day today. So if he thinks that's slow at, that, at his size with the fluidity that he moves with, I can't wait to see what it looks like when he thinks he's moving fast. So I know I shouted out him on the Tuesday show, but he's somebody that deserves another shout-out once again because I think he's looked good um, for now a, a second straight day. And so now here is the last opportunity here for a practice for these guys to really stand out. And so I think somebody 
Um, other than John Michael Schmitz, I think the door is wide open for somebody to really kind of pole vault themselves into being one of the big winners of the week. And I think now after having three full days of practice here at the end of the day, we'll, uh, we'll get a better, clear indication of the people that we can talk about as winners. And we could talk about potentially as people who missed the mark, uh, it was a missed opportunity, didn't really live up to what we thought that they could be down here. But guess what? We have an, a, a whole nother day of practice to be able to figure that out. So we'll talk about that more on the tomorrow edition of the show. But I do want to at least mention here before we get out of here the news uh, that Tom Brady has officially retired. I know we've been down this road before, but I tend to think based on the fact that Tom's pretty self-aware. Tom saw all the reaction to what happened uh, a year ago with the retirement and unretirement. And I think if you watch the video, you can tell the emotion in his voice. And it wasn't some big, you know, sappy post like he did last time. And he even joked about how, you know, he kind of used up his one uh, big, long retirement announcement. And so he's just sharing with everyone that, yep, I am retiring. This is it. And it was like, I think, a 53-second video. So I believe him. I believe that he is uh, retiring and he's going off into the sunset. And for a guy who tortured my teams for most of my uh, fandom of being a Jets fan, you know, I I have grown to appreciate what Tom Brady is and the seven Super Bowls do speak for themselves. And so wish him a happy retirement. It looks like TV's probably in his near future. Being a broadcaster is probably what we will see from him next. But I think it is important to discuss what Tom Brady's retirement means for the quarterback market. Because if Tom Brady were to play in the year 2023, a lot of people thought it wasn't going to be with Tampa again. Although there are there has been some reporting that has refuted that, that has said that it was either Tampa or retirement. But let's see. Let's just play this thought exercise out that the Miami Dolphins, we know the lengths that they went through, cost them a first-round draft pick selection in order to, talk, to try to illegally tamper with Tom Brady a year ago. So you knew that they were going to be on the short list. And the Raiders-Josh McDaniels connection and Derek Carr, Derek Carr kind of getting pushed out the door there, you knew that was going to be a conversation. So now you take Tom Brady out of this potential equation. And we'll just look at those two teams first, but then we can talk about what it means for the rest of the teams in general. Does this mean Miami is now going to really firmly entrench themselves into Tua Tungavailoa is their quarterback? It's going to be a very fascinating question. This is a guy whose availability has been a big question mark over the past couple of seasons. We know when he was on the field this season for the Miami Dolphins, they had one of the best offenses in the league. They started the year 8-3. and three. He played really well, was one of the best quarterbacks in the league statistically when he was out there on the field. But again, your best ability is availability. And, you know, this is a guy that's had multiple concussions, and we know that makes him more susceptible for concussions moving forward. And so that is something that you have to weigh. It is something that you have to balance. That Are we comfortable going with this guy as our quarterback? And if you are, I think there needs to be, weirdly enough, more of an emphasis put on who the backup quarterback is going to be for this team, right? You really need to be in a position that you can – and I, I hate to make the comparison, but this is where Mike McDaniel came from, but you need to have almost a San Francisco 49er situation where the quarterback you bring in to potentially replace two if he gets hurt can come in and run the offense just as well and you can be just as efficient as you were with Tua. Because I think the expectation of Tua playing 17 games over the course of a season, uh, until we see it regularly enough from him, I think everyone is going to have that big question. So that's Miami, right? Let's talk about the Las Vegas Raiders, who probably, I think, Josh McDaniels and company, if they really thought that they could make a play for uh, Tom Brady, they're now back at the drawing board. They have 13 days from the recording of this podcast to make a decision about cutting or trading Derek Carr. 
And so that decision is going to come first, right? They're going to make that decision. And you certainly think Derek Carr's not going to be there next season. Although I find it very interesting that we're letting him go play in the Pro Bowl where we've got, he's got $40 million in injury guarantees. And I know he's only playing like dodgeball and, and flag football, but all it takes is one thing to go wrong. And then the Raiders are on the hook for all that cash and the, the upheaval that that would cause would be a sight to behold. So where do the Raiders go from here? I shared uh, with Jamie this morning, the first thing I saw when I woke up was somebody asking Devontae Adams what neighborhood Aaron Rodgers would be moving to. Devontae Adams tweeted back, mine with the eyeball emoji. So cue the chaos, cue the hype train, cue all the speculation there of what Devontae Adams means. Does he mean that he's going back to Green Bay? Does he mean that Aaron Rodgers is coming to Vegas? What could all of that possibly mean? And so if, if just put yourself in the Raiders' shoes for just a second, that you thought you were going to put all your chips in the middle for Tom Brady, right? Not to say he would have gone there, but you, that was the play that you were going to make. Now Tom's off the board. What's plan B? What's the pivot plan? Is the pivot plan to go trade for Aaron Rodgers? I have a tough time believing that is going to be the case, and here's why. You trade for Aaron Rodgers, you owe him like $108 million in cash over the next two seasons. Don't mind the, the salary cap space, the fact that he only costs $15 million against the cap for 2023, right? The Raiders can certainly, they're already $19 million against the cap. If they get rid of Derek Carr, whether by cutting or trading him, they would easily be able to withstand bringing on Aaron Rodgers from a cap perspective. But there's a dollars and cents um, conversation here as well. The cap is just an accounting figure. There's actual dollars that need to get uh, handed out to Aaron Rodgers. Checks need to be written. And I'll give a perfect example of, of how this can play itself out. The Los Angeles Rams had no problem cutting people and paying them to walk away because they had the cash to be able to take on that dead money. They would just write it off, write the check, and move on and be able to pivot. The New York Jets are a team that are flush with cash and an and a owner that is probably willing to hand out $60 million in cash just this offseason to Aaron Rodgers. Is every organization in a position that they want to do that? That they want to hand out that kind of cash in year one, one year, when you don't know if he's going to be, be with you beyond one season? I don't think so. And so you think the Raiders are going to pivot. Now, the interesting thing here is Tampa probably figured that they were going to need to kind of reset at the quarterback position. So what do they do? Do they dive into the Derek Carr market? Do they dive into the Aaron Rodgers market? Do they dive into the Lamar Jackson market? They're another player in the mix. And so now, I think if you look at this, you have the Colts, who until they get a head coach, I think they're probably a little bit behind the eight ball on all of this stuff. But I think the Colts, the Panthers now that they have their head coach, are, are pretty set. You think the Falcons are probably going to be in the mix? The Saints are going to be in the mix for any of these quarterbacks? The Jets are going to be in the mix for these quarterbacks? The Dolphins are probably going to at least poke around a little bit behind the scenes? So you have all of these different teams that are going to be in the mix, and this game of musical chairs just lost one of its players, right? One of its players is now out, and so the chairs are going to get reshuffled, the players are going to get reshuffled, and we're going to do this dance again here. And the next domino that's going to fall, and I don't know if it's Derek Carr getting one of those chairs or not, but it is Derek Carr getting more clarity on his situation. And I think I think that's going to be the next big domino for us to pay attention to. It, I always thought it was going to be the first domino to fall, uh, but now with Tom Brady retiring, it gives us a little bit of a, be, uh, a bigger picture. So if I had to to handy, handicap it, I would say that the Derek Carr domino moves next. I, then the, I think the Aaron Rodgers news comes after that. And then I think the other third thing that we should be keeping an eye on is, the, is and I've, I've done a whole show on this, so you can go back and listen to it. But Baltimore putting the franchise tag on Lamar Jackson. Which tag they pick is going to be a very important one, but the moment they do that, I think that is going to start a very, very short window in which they are going to entertain trades for um, Lamar Jackson. They are not in the business of letting that 
situation drag on. They want to be able to get that done sooner rather than later. So those are the three dominoes that I think fall next, and I think that they fall in that order. We got one of them out of the way with Tom. I think it thrusts the Bucks uh, squarely in the center of this quarterback game of musical chairs, and I think it certainly could potentially change things with the way that the Raiders were operating if they really truly thought that they could get Tom uh, to to Vegas and to the Raiders. That is going to do it for us here on the Thursday edition of the podcast, another day of practice here. And knowing the way the week has gone, something's going to happen over the next couple of hours that's going to sneak its way into the show. I don't know what it's going to be. I don't know if it's a trade. I don't know if it's uh, another coaching hire, right? The Cardinals still have a coaching gig. The Colts still have a coaching gig open. Something is going to work its way into the show because we've never been able to really dive into just the senior bowl practice for any of these shows uh, this week since getting here. So it's going to be a recap of the full three days of practice here with another uh, day in the books later on today on tomorrow's show. And then obviously whatever news potentially could break. So thanks to you for making this show a part of your day rating, reviewing, subscribing, following along uh, on this journey here through the offseason and for the 2023 NFL draft cycle. Thanks to Ben Online for their continued support of the podcast. Hope everybody has a great rest of your Thursday. I will talk to you all tomorrow.